The world around us is changing faster than ever before. From automation, artificial intelligence, big data, geolocation, to every aspect of how we work and live. This includes data. Welcome to Data Gurus Podcast. Our mission is to bring you a real-life perspective on what's happening in the industry and how successful companies and individuals in this niche navigate through the sea of change. Encouraging you to be bold, be brave, and be fearless. Let's navigate the data ecosystem together. Welcome to the Data Gurus Podcast. Welcome to another episode of Data Gurus. This is Seema Vasa, your host. And today I welcome Anton Umnov, who is the VP of Consumer Insights and Partnerships at Drop. Welcome, Anton. Hey, Seema. Glad to be here. Thanks for joining me. How are you? Oh, it's good. Just approaching the end of pandemic. Just uh, ready to finish. Can you see the light at the end of the tunnel? It's coming up. I see the sunny day today, so hopefully it will be over soon. Well, Anton, thanks for taking the time to meet today. I would love just to, before we get into Drop and what Drop is about, I'd love to just learn a little bit of your background and your journey to getting to where you are today. Yeah, yeah, totally. I started in consumer insights and data space and been in it basically for the last, I guess, 10, 15 years or so. I spent a lot of time at Nielsen, big data analytics shop, if you will, and then had a lot of engagements on the client side, CPG, alcohol, spent some time in cannabis, <laughs> so a variety of experiences across multiple categories. But yeah, like data analytics, consumer insights is my bread and butter, really loving it. And especially the intersection between data and research. I love that. And did you study or did you know you were going to go into this field when you were studying in college? Not really. I mean, I took biotech and economics in school. Yep. So really got this fundamental education, all the numbers and all the stats, but I was always more on the extroverted side, I guess. It just happened to be there. I wanted to go to pharma for the longest time, although in 2008, so there was no pharma job at the time, you know, financial crisis. So it just ended up at Nielsen, essentially. Yeah. Well, then what a great place to start. Oh, yeah. I love it. Great company. Went through many changes in the last couple of years, but yeah, Nielsen has a bright road ahead for sure. Now, how long have you been at Trump? I joined Drop last summer, so it will be a year soon. So I was one of those hires during the pandemic. So I haven't met anyone in the office, which was interesting. <laughs> I've heard a lot of people have had to do that. And it's it will be weird when you get to meet your entire team in person. Yeah. You know, when you imagine people in your minds before you meet them, and then you meet them in person and they look completely different, you might not recognize them. So I had those experiences before. Okay, so let's talk about Drop. It's, it's such an innovative company. Um, just share with us a little bit about what Drop primarily focuses on. Yeah, of course. So Drop, it's a consumer app. You can get it from an app store. It's a platform that really focuses on driving loyalty rewards value for, for the clients, for the users, for consumers. So you can download it. You can find great shopping deals. What's happening at Sephora, at Alta, at all of the major retailers. And it's mostly in US and in Canada. So we have about 4 million members of Drop. And you can come in, you can find great shopping deals. And then you can also do some of the other stuff outside of shopping. You can do surveys and you get the points. You can find, you can play games, for example, and you get rewarded for that as well. So it provides value both if you're looking to shop for something and also gives you valuable time to spend between those shopping trips. And also consumers, obviously, they can unlock points, but they also 
linked to their credit cards, right? So you can get some, the transactional information. Exactly. Yeah. And there are a number of those shopping and loyalty apps on the market. So the reason why Drop is different is because you're able to connect, uh, you said it right, your banking account information to Drop. And so when you do that, you're able to unlock much better deals, much better offers from different brands and retailers. And so the way it works is in practical terms. Once you connect your banking information, you can go buy your cup of coffee at Starbucks. And as long as you use the same credit card or checking account that is connected to Drop, you get your points automatically. So you don't have to take out you know, those old school loyalty cards to scan. It's all done on the back end. And you don't have to scan a receipt. Don't have to scan the receipt. Nobody likes scanning receipts. And then nobody likes analyzing those as well. So it's all automated. And the thing is, when you shop at Kroger or at, at Starbucks, you're still able to get the points from those retailers. Regardless, it still goes to the loyalty points to those retailers as well, just by being part of Drop. Exactly. And Drop points would be actually on top of the any loyalty program that the retailer would have. Wow. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, yeah. And we actually, we have a lot of younger audience, right? So most of the users of Drop, Millennials and Gen Z, Mm -hmm. in most cases, they're more than willing to connect their banking accounts to us just because they're able to get better deals. It's a seamless experience for them. They don't have to do anything. It's all automated on the back end. Okay. And I'm always fascinated when you say people, you know, connect their bank accounts to apps. I mean, you're not, obviously, there's so many other apps that do that as well. What percentage of your population or your consumers actually connect their financial information? It's about 50. So 50% would provide this information, which is one of the highest in the industry. If you look across other platforms, it's one of the highest. And the reason why they do that is, again, because they're able to get better deals, get points, better retailers, and they give us consent to use the information as well. Mm -hmm. And what about, you know, I always think about security and making sure that Data is not obviously exposed. How much time and effort technology do you spend in making sure that that data is protected? Oh, yeah. That's obviously one of our key focus here as well. We work with multiple partners in the space, with Snowflake and a whole bunch of other companies as well. I'm sure you heard of Snowflake this year as the went public. <laughs> yeah. So it's basically, of course, one of our primary concerns and we spend a lot of time there. How do you work with brands? What's their interest in working with you guys as a client? Yeah, so for brands, it's interesting, right? So obviously, when you think about the big retailers who already have a lot of shoppers, you know, Walmarts of the world and Sephora's, but they would still work with us because they think about Drop A as younger millennial audience. So they would like to get those customers right at the beginning. And sometimes, as you know, it's very hard to reach that audience, especially millennials for sure, but also Gen Z on the edge. And so the way they would work with us is they would essentially advertise on the platform and they would think of Drop as a user acquisition game. So if you're a smaller retailer, they would be using Drop to attract new customers. Let's say you launched a new brand, a new product. But for the bigger retailers, it's all about the loyalty play. So we able to increase the check size or the basket sizes as the customers from our platform would go to Walmart, would go to Sephora and shop more, buy more or do it more frequently. And we're able to share a lot of data with the retailers as well because we have the banking information connected. Right. We can actually see whether a specific customer was shopping at Sephora you know, in the last 90 days or in the last half a year. So we can essentially prove to retailer that the customer that we attracted to that retailer is incremental for that. So we're not cannibalizing any sales. And that's why a lot of brands are working with us today. And I guess you could also look at 
competitive set as well, right? So let's take, for example, if I'm, if I'm a loyal shopper at Sephora, but yet I stop going there and I start going to a competitor, you could p- potentially signal loss of customers as well. Exactly. Yeah. So we're able to see the um, share of wallet switches, as we call it, right? So we provide additional analytics to our partners as well to see if they gain some volume in the last, you know, couple of weeks, where did the sales come from? Did people switch from specific retailer and who that retailer is? In this way, they can evaluate the success of their campaigns. Now, okay. So let's talk about, you know, how Nielsen, the entities look at the world. They look at things by category, right? Within four brands, if you might not be a retailer, but you might be a brand that competes specifically in categories. So do you sell data by category or is it really you look at the total spend of what a consumer is spending at a specific retailer? Yeah, definitely. We sell it by category. We're tracking about 30 categories today. So anything from you know, food delivery, CPG to financial services, travel uh, is a hot one now, right? Everyone hopefully is buying their tickets to, uh, to Vegas and other places. But so we're tracking about 40 categories and then we can go down to specific retailers and brands within those categories to see who is winning, who is losing and why. That's really amazing. And can you do surveys based on, you know, let's say somebody goes and shops at a specific retailer. Can you automatically launch a survey based on that transaction? Yeah. Like let's say a retail satisfaction survey or something. Yeah, no, exactly. Right. So imagine if you go to Starbucks, the previous example I use and buy a cup of coffee. So we see the spending transaction pretty much right away a drop. And so we can ask the people, you know, we can do an NPS type of survey right away or being more complex as well. And, and that's really the hybrid product that we have on the market where we have this fairly big transactional data, but then we can also talk to people. Why did you switch to McDonald's? Why are you buying now something in Sephora and do a whole bunch of other survey work? Then can you also use the benefits of the app from a location perspective? Yeah, we can do geofencing. We can do, yeah, some very similar stuff. Exactly. So at the core of it, when we first started, you said you're a loyalty rewards company, right? But you have a lot of data and you can do a lot with these consumers. So are you also a market research data analytics company? Yeah, I think those two pillars that go hand in hand. So on the one hand, we have an app, which is B2C app. And again, the goal there is to maximize number of rewards and points our consumers would get. Mm-hmm. And then we have the data side of the business, which is really work in conjunction with the app itself, because the more data we monetize in the market, working with different brands, the more value we can provide back to, to our users in terms of rewards and the better deals we would be getting. So market research analytics is a big part of our business, actually one of the key pillars for 2021 and beyond. Okay. And we're really trying to expand beyond outside of traditional kind of CPG and grocery retail. We're also focusing a lot on some of the newer industries, you know, like food delivery, crypto, and and a whole bunch of other things. That's interesting too. You guys recently did a study, I think with another company, right? In partnership with another company based on your data? Well, actually Cardify, it's not another company. It's our sister company Ah, Okay. that is focusing on the financial industry. Okay. Most of the reports and white papers we would push out to the market through Cardify. And that's the way to delineate the drop app, consumer app, without the side of the business. Got it. And what were some of the highlights of the study that was just recently published? Yeah, we've done the uh, stimulus tracker, right? So most people, many people in the U.S. got uh, a big check in the mail in the last, I guess, couple of weeks now. 
And what we try to understand, and this is kind of top question from the banks and hedge funds that we're getting, when people are getting the stimulus money deposited to their accounts, how do they spend it? Do they spend it as intended, I guess? Right. Or people are doing some, you know, kind of indulgence shopping and a whole bunch of other things. And, and so what we've done is we have the banking information connected. We're able to see actually the cohorts and people who receive the stimulus checks. Okay. And we're able to talk to them and see on what kind of categories they will be spending the money on. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. And what we found is as soon as people got the money, a big portion of them right away invested into home improvement, into their houses, essentially, which makes sense. But then also a very big portion of consumers as well, they reinvested portion of the check and put the money into stocks and the crypto. Oh, okay. Which was a surprising finding for us. And, you know, it's not a big surprise because it's a millennial audience, right? Younger audience, oh. uh, Robin Hoods of the world. They have been growing like crazy in the last uh, couple months. Yeah. And you could get that all through the transactional data or you also did some survey research there? It's both, right? So we use a joint approach. So we would first talk to the people to see what their intent is, mm-hmm. right? Once you receive the money, what kind of categories and industries you would be willing to spend the money on. And then we would wait a couple of weeks and then we would actually double check or see on which category. They- if they actually did it. Yeah, yeah. And was there a discrepancy or was it pretty consistent? It's pretty consistent. I think people uh, slightly kind of underreport things like crypto and other things versus reality. But generally speaking, like home improvement market is the one many companies are placing a big bet on. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've seen in the data as well. That's really interesting. So do you have competition in this space with this hybrid approach? And are you creating ongoing products where you're delivering data sets to clients on a monthly, weekly, whatever that time period is? Yeah, exactly. So we have two main products. One is around uh, the data itself. We call it market measurement. It's all about your ability to understand how you're performing versus the market. Okay. Then we also have the drop insights, which is more around, let's ask consumers in a targeted way, various surveys and questions that you might have. So we have the products like that. Yeah. Here's a question that might be tougher, but what objections do you get as it relates to your methodology? I think some companies, they're still trying to figure out this hybrid approach. Everybody understands the value of the data. Right. But what is the best way to link surveys? Okay. Data itself, because there's kind of two use cases that we're usually deploying. You can either take a look at the data first, and when you see a specific trend, let's say somebody switched from Starbucks to McDonald's, then you can talk to these people in a targeted way. Or is it better to go in the opposite, which is let's do a survey. Let's see what people say, how they respond to question A, and then let's pull what we call the spending profiles for that specific respondent group and link and append data to the survey. Or is it better to take data and then do surveys afterwards? Okay. And is there one approach that's you know more accepted? I think, depending who you talk to, I think when you talk to market research companies, and if you make any kind of partnership agreements, because they're mostly used to run the surveys first. Right. So for them, you know, let's run a couple of studies and then let's see in which brands and retailers respondents actually spend. Yeah. But if you talk to uh, hedge funds and the banks, et cetera, for them, definitely the data is first and value our unique ability to talk to the people afterwards to figure out why they switched. Yeah, actually, that makes perfect sense in both those use cases. Do you battle, you know, comparing your data set? to kind of historical data sets and trends and what's the difference and how do we kind of reconcile the differences? Yeah, yeah. I think it's been a learning curve for us for the the last couple of years in the sense that 
you know, we get a lot of transactional data. Mm-hmm. And I'd say the first kind of two years was spent on really cleansing and normalizing the data before we can make any kind of uh, implications or, or insights, right? Because it's, it's messy. Yeah. Like when you think about it initially, you get literally, you know, millions of transactions daily. And we have to kind of map out and code different transactions all the time. So for example, if a retailer has the word, you know, independent in their name, they could be literally, I don't know, like 10,000 different stores and chains in the US, right? So how do you know? Yeah, mom and pop stores and everything else, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we spent the first year to make sure data actually makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then since last year, we start to put some of those insights on the market. And we initially start to comment a lot on how different public companies are performing on companies that are about to go IPO like Airbnb. Right. And we start to comment on some trends that we see on our end before, you know, they release some of their information. Interesting. And it was picked up pretty quickly by the banks, et cetera, because when you think about their analysts, if they're waiting for the call, for the earnings call from Airbnb, they see from our data how people actually spending before the call. They actually get on the call. Yeah. Yeah. It's very powerful. And what do you worry about? Like, what's your biggest obstacle in your role? I think to find the product market fit that combines data and surveys together. Okay. And how do you productize it, if you will, in a simple way that people can understand? Okay. So we've been very successful in linking data and then being able to ask very targeted surveys on top of that mm-hmm. as one product, but going in opposite way, which is, you know, let's run a survey and then let's see how people are spending on the back end. I think the market research industry is still getting used to that. Mm-hmm. And so it takes some time, a lot of time, especially with the bigger companies where you would think, you know, that they should get it. Many companies are hesitant. They never dealt with data before. They don't have a lot of data scientists and things like that. So I think it's just the learning curve is a bit steep for some of the companies. Is there any concern about research and media living in the same world? Well, that's why we're delineating. We have the Cardify part of the business, which is data focused and insights focused. And we have the drop, which is the consumer focused as well. What do you see as the future? Is this drop going to planning to expand into other geographies? What's kind of, you know, the future vision? Yeah, yeah. I think like we're really this year and the next year, we're really expanding. We'll be focusing on US and Canada. We feel that uh, this is the market still very untapped for us. So we, we have a couple pilots. We're doing some work in UK right now, but US is the primary focus. But we think there's a way to increase personalization for the users when it comes down to the different offers people are getting. And we're using you know data and surveys to do that. And ultimately, our goal is how do we maximize different revenue streams for our consumers, for our members? How can we maximize number of rewards and points they'll be getting? Got it. So when you think about it, right, so you have your Uber Eats of the world or Uber and the gig economy. So Drop can actually play a role and become a part of gig economy because you're able to earn points and money by doing surveys, by playing games and doing other different things. So you don't have to drive Uber or doing any other things that you were doing before. So how much does a consumer actually, how much money can they make on your on the Drop app? Yeah, that's a good question. So... It would not replace full-time job, of course. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but it could replace a gig. That's what I'm hearing you say. It's halfway there relative to some of the other gig economies that, that we're well aware of. But we're pretty confident that we can increase this number to be comparable to some of the other gigs. And isn't it better just to be 
at home or in your hammock and just doing something in the app versus driving all the time. Driving everywhere. Yeah. And putting wear and tear on your car. Anton, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate it. You have such an interesting job. I look forward to talking to you again in the future because I can't wait to see how the market adopts this and the new products that you develop. Awesome. Thank you, Sima. Thanks for the invite. Thank you. Teams are in flux, but you still have to get your research in field. Partnership with Paradigm Sample means you get our expert focus on every detail of your project. We have access to over 1 million consumers and many business professionals who are eager to voice their opinions and participate in traditional and non-traditional online studies, whether it comes to sampling, programming and hosting services or consultation. We are agile and quick to meet your needs. Visit ParadigmSample.com today. Thank you for tuning in to Data Guru's podcast. This episode has ended. But your exploration doesn't have to. Head over to www.datagurusspodcast.com and access all the resources and links mentioned in today's show. You'll also find bonus content available to our podcast listeners exclusively. That's www.datagurusspodcast.com. Until next time, be bold, be brave, and be fearless.